you to find with me uh, Acts chapter 14 this morning. Acts chapter 14, we'll begin to read in verse 1. As we continue our study on Sunday mornings through the book of Acts. And for a few moments this morning, I want to speak to you on this subject, an example to follow. An example to follow. Acts chapter 14, we'll begin to read in verse 1. I'll invite you to stand, all those that can and are able, in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in Acts chapter 14, beginning to read in verse number 1. The Bible says these words, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude of both the Jews and the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. When a violent attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and they fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia and the surrounding region, and they were preaching the gospel there. And in a Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, observing him intently, and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices in the Laconian language and said, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless, useless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without a witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitude from sacrificing to them. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there. And having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up, went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. When he had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia and they came to Pamphylia and when had, they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. When they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God 
had done with them. And he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, so they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit would speak to us and challenge us today. And Father, just like in our small group connection classes this morning, we saw how the devil captured Lot's attention away from the things that you had for him. Father, I pray that no one here today will allow the devil to capture their attention away from what you have for them today. Father, I pray that if there's someone who's never been saved, Spirit, you'll convict them today. Oh, God, your precious Holy Spirit will convict them of their lostness, their need for Christ, and they'll choose to repent and believe on Jesus to be Lord of their life so that everything can change. Father, I pray you'll challenge every believer today. The example that we see in this text today is that the kind of example we're living before a lost and dying world, before other believers who are looking to us for an example to follow. Father, I pray where we're found lacking, your spirit will challenge us, convict us, and once again, Lord, we're fresh and anew, we'll submit our life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Have your way. Your will be done. It's in Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. And I'll invite you to be seated. In the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 10, begin to read in verse number 1, the Apostle Paul says to the church at Corinth, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud as they passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud of the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now listen. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted to a church that was plagued with problems, though well gifted and had the opportunity to accomplish much as they surrendered themselves to Christ's lordship, the church at Corinth was plagued. And the apostle Paul reminded them of the great opportunities that the nation of Israel had had after God had given them freedom from Egypt. But though they uh, loved the Lord partially with their heart, they didn't fully love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And because of that, they suffered. And Paul reminded the church at Corinth, listen to me. He says, as you look back at the Old Testament, you see their example. These things are written, Paul says, for our example, that we shouldn't be like that. Paul says, don't be like those people. Don't be hard-headed. Don't be stiff-necked. Don't be unleadable. But yet, just a few verses later, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and with humility... Listen to what the Apostle Paul says to a church who is in need of an example, a tangible example to follow. Paul says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Paul didn't say, don't, don't imitate me because I've got it all together. He says, I'm following Jesus Christ. He says, so you follow me. Paul says, don't be like all these people in the Old Testament who were stiff-necked, hard-hearted, didn't love the Lord, and because of that, God judged them. Paul said, but rather, he says, imitate me. He says, because I'm following the Lord. There are examples in history we want to avoid following. Uh, many people said those who fail to learn from history are destined to repeat it. Our country would do well to look at the history of Rome. 
And so those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. There are a lot of examples that, that one should avoid following. But there are some examples that are worth following. And that's what we see in our text today. We see again another picture. Luke records yet another great example of the kind of life every believer should seek to have as we live on mission. And to do that, there's a few things that we have to do. Number one, if you're going to have the kind of life and impact that the Apostle Paul had, if you're going to follow his example, number one, you need to remember who you used to be. You need to remember who you used to be. That's, that's before you got saved. Well, they continue on mission. Uh, they continue to experience hardship, challenges, and adversity. In Antioch, Pisidia, there were challenges, and no doubt the Lord continued to move his Word was honored. Now, remember in chapter 13, verse 51, to keep Satan from using the difficulty that they had faced in Antioch in Pisidia, they, they symbolically shook the dust off of their feet. Not to stick it to the people, but to stick it to the devil. Did you see that part? When, when we're shaking the dust off our feet, it's, it's not something like, well, I'm going to show you people. It was, no, we're going to show you devil. We're not devil. I'm not going to allow you to use this hardship, this adversity, and this challenge to bring me and to turn me and to embitter me from serving Christ. And so they just continued to move forward, filled with joy, filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 52 of chapter 13 says, And they moved on to the next town, led by the Spirit. The Bible says in verse 1, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews, as was their practice. Paul always went for the religious crowd first and spoke to a great multitude of the Jews and Greeks, so much so that many believed. But look at verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. They, they, they stirred them up. And so you have to remember that as Paul saw these things, as he saw these Jews coming in and trying to poison the minds of these new converts, that had to hit him. Just as, like, you know, it's someone who used to play football watches someone now, they're in the older body, and they watch somebody young play football, that has to touch them and say, man, I remember those days. Uh, I've got a tweener and a teenager now. But when I see a young parent holding a baby, Melissa and I will look at each other, because even though it's only been about 14, 12 years, we remember those days. We, we remember how we used to be. When Paul saw those troublemakers and those that were poisoning him, he had to remember who he used to be. In Acts chapter 26, as Paul begins to give testimony to King Agrippa, he reminded, uh, verse number 2, he's, he's giving a testimony of his life. He says, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself and before you concerning the things of which I'm accused by the Jews. Rome awaits Paul. Paul says, especially because you're an expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear of me patiently. Now listen to what verse 4 says. Paul says, my manner of life from my youth was spent from the beginning among my own nation of Jerusalem, and the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of my own religion, I believed a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise by God to our fathers. What Paul was saying was, Jesus made a difference in my life. Paul says, I'm not the same anymore. Paul says, though, in verse 7, To this promise, though, our twelve tribes earnestly serving God night and day hope to attain. For this sake, King Agrippa, I'm accused by the Jews. 
Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Paul says, verse number 9, listen. Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He said, this I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, Paul says, I raised my hand and said, yea. When they all said, who thinks this guy ought to be put to death? Paul raised his hand and said, yep, kill him, because he believes in Jesus Christ. And so as Paul was seeking to lead people to Christ, and he saw people not receiving Christ, and even not liking him, he had, it had to strike him. He never got over who he used to be. Paul remembered the kind of person that he was before that. And so because of that, look at verse number 3 in Acts chapter 14. The Bible says, therefore he stayed there a long time. He didn't take off and run and say, well, they're not going to believe. He said, the gospel penetrated my heart. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. And Paul says, I don't forget who I used to be. He said, if the gospel can change me, the gospel can change anybody. And Paul says, so therefore... I stayed there a long time speaking boldly in the Lord. He gave them what he received. Look what the Bible continues to say in verse 3. Speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace. Paul, Paul was bearing witness saying, look, the gospel worked for me. Paul says, I used to be just like you. I hated Jesus Christ. I hate, he says, when I heard the word resurrection, I wanted to throw up. He said, it infuriated me so much. He said, but then one day I opened my heart to the gospel. He says, and I'm a new man. He said, the gospel changed me. But the reason Paul could have that kind of commitment and that kind of compassion, don't miss this, he never forgot who he was before he got saved. He never got over it. The gospel had, had changed his life. In the book of Philippians, chapter 3, and in verse number 13, the Apostle Paul says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. That is, Paul never arrived. He never came to a place where he couldn't grow anymore. He says, But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forward to those things which are ahead. Well, that's twofold. He says, I forget about all those successes because I want to experience another success in Christ. He said, But I've also put behind all the failures. Now, that's, that's twofold. We tried to explain this Wednesday night. He didn't allow the devil to use the failures to bring him to a place of condemnation, to where he couldn't function, that he felt he wasn't forgiven, that he just couldn't move forward. He knew that his sins had been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, Paul would write, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. That is, they're not condemned. So Paul was over the failure, but Paul never forgot who he used to be before the gospel changed him into the man that he was now. If you're going to be effective in ministry, you've got to remember who you were before you got saved. And you may be like me. You may have grown up in a Christian home, and you got saved at a very early age. And so because of that, it took you till later in life to truly appreciate what Christ had done for you. You know, it's possible that a lot of kids that grow up in a middle-class home, you know, their parents, as they should, give them the things that they need. 
So they've always got new clothes to wear. They've got new shoes to wear. You know, they, they're just not appreciative for it. They don't know how to appreciate it because it's all they've ever known. But you know, you take a kid that was raised up in just utter squalor and you give them something new, boy, they treasure it. They treasure it. And those kids that grow up in middle-class homes, they, it's, it's not until they get older and they start realizing how hard that dollar is to earn and how little some people have and how blessed they were to have, that's when they begin to appreciate the material things that they have. So it is for those of us who grew up in the church, as all kids should. But it's until you come to a place of maturity, you begin to really realize who you have and what you have in Jesus Christ. But that's not the case with all people. And some of those testimonies are the most encouraging. I remember a lady by the name of Ann Nixon in the first church that we pastored. Ann had just led a very troubled life by her own mouth. But she got saved, and I'm telling you, she never got over what Jesus Christ saved her from. She was always so excited couldn't wait to sing. She didn't have an attitude of, I've got to go to church. It was always, I get to go to church. That's the way all of us ought to be. Paul never got over what Christ had done for him. And so there has to be balance. Don't let the devil hold you in condemnation over the failures of your past. If you've been saved, friend, you were forgiven. The book of Hebrews, chapter 8, and verse number 15 says this. What an encouragement. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 12. says, For I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless deeds. I'll remember no more. You've been forgiven. God chooses not to remember what you did anymore. And you don't need to be brought into condemnation, but there's balance. Listen to me. You don't need to forget what God saved you from. As you face and you work with people, who reject the message you're sharing, and they reject the person that you are, don't take it. Listen, it's not personal. I want you to purge two words from your mouth. Are you ready for them? And from your mind and from your vocabulary. Are you ready? Two words used in conjunction. Are you ready for them? You ready? Church hurt. Push it away. It's not about you. It's not about you. And so don't forget who you used to be. And when you're dealing with lost people, remember who they can be if they'll only turn and receive Jesus Christ to be Lord of their life. Secondly, if you're going to have this kind of life this, and, and follow this example, not only must you remember who you used to be, but you need to rely on God for the direction of your life. Rely upon God for the direction of your life. It, it comes with spiritual maturity. But it really comes down to this, friend. Who's Lord of you? And I've talked to a lot of people, you know, they're giving God, He's you know, leading these things, but I still hear people say, no, this is going to happen. Well, no, my kid's going to, no, this, you can't do that. He's Lord of everything or He's Lord of nothing. Jesus will not be Lord of 80% of your life. If He's not Lord of 100, then He is not Lord of you. He's not Lord of you. And so you, you've got to rely on God for the directions of your life. Paul did. When God directed Paul to a city, he didn't fill in every contingency prior to arrival. When God says, go to this city, he didn't say, now if this happens, do this. Now, I've never flown a plane, but I've flown on planes that were being flown by a pilot. Right? And if you've ever flown, you have too. 
And they've got a book up front. And it's got every contingency for every problem that can possibly happen. And they go through most of them in pre-flight. But they've got a book. If this sound happens, if this happens, turn to this page. And it, it, it's not a, what do you think? It, there's not something that says, do whatever you think's best. It's got an entire list of things that they're supposed to do if something happens. Friend, listen, it's not that way in ministry. God will lead us to one place, and we have to continue to trust Him. God doesn't fill in the blanks for every contingency. And that's the way it was for the Apostle Paul. Look what the Bible says in verse number 4. But the multitude of the city was divided. Paul was preaching the gospel. Some were being saved. The Jews were trying to, some of the Gentiles were trying to stir up the brethren against them. And so the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews, part with the apostles. And when the violent attempt was made by the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it, and they fled to Lystra and to Derbe. One moment, they're staying and being bold, and in the next moment, they're moving to the next city. Well, why didn't they take off and run in verse number 2? Listen to me, because God didn't tell them to. Now why are they moving to Lystra and to Derby? Because God told them to. God is directing every step of their life. Verse 6, now they flee to the next city. Well, we're going to see that in a few weeks. Uh, Holly alluded to it, to part of the, the latter part of the story in Acts chapter 16, what the song she sang this morning with the choir. And, and we remember what happened to Paul and Silas as they were in prison. But one of the most beautiful stories is often never preached and talked about, and it's what happened before they got cast in to prison. And it wasn't with the girl that was demon-possessed that had the handlers. It was with Lydia and with those that worked with her. In Acts chapter 16, and verse number 6, the Bible says, Now when they, this is Paul and those that were with him, had gone through Phrygia into the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. They came to a town and Paul says, Why, let's preach. And the Holy Spirit said, Nope, you're not going to preach here. And the Bible says in verse number 7, Acts chapter 16, after they'd come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia. They said, well, let's go to that town. But the Spirit wouldn't permit them to go. Were there lost people there? Were there lost people? Was everybody in that town saved? Certainly not. They had a desire to go there, but the Bible says the Spirit didn't permit them. So passing by Mysia, the Bible says in verse number 8, they came down to Troas, and in a vision appeared to Paul the appeared to Paul in the night, a man from Macedonia. He stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately they sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. How did they know to go there? Because God was speaking to them, and they were relying on God for direction for their lives. Paul's response to every ministry decision, listen to me, not just conflict, not just when the woods were on fire. His, his, his response to every ministry decision was directed by the Lord. He sought the Lord, but now listen to me. To stay in God's will, don't miss this part. He obeyed the Lord. He obeyed the Lord. Now, God, I want to know what you want me to do as long as it's what I want to do. Friend, that's not the way we pray. There may be a lot of people that are selling a lot of the books. Say to pray, 
But we simply pray for God's will. God, open this door. God, close this door. God, I don't want to be out of your will. And so, God, I'm relying on you for every direction in my life. And friend, we, we must do the same in these days. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would be our guide. In John chapter 16, verses 7 through 15, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. And, but if I don't depart, he says, and if I do depart, I will send him to you. Now listen to what he says. Jesus and when he, that's the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment and of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father, and you see me no more, of judgment because the rule of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, listen, this is the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take care of mine and declare it to you. He says, rely on the ministry of the Holy Spirit to direct you and guide you. And that's why Paul would later write, 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural man perceives not the things of God, neither can he know them for their foolishness to him. For they're spiritually discerned. A lost person can't understand the, the, the clear teaching of God's will in his written word. Much less understand the things that aren't spoken through the still small voice of the Holy Spirit and through peace that passes all understanding. The reason that Paul, listen, could be where he needed to be when he was supposed to be there was because he relied on God to direct the smallest details of his life. Verse number 7 Acts chapter 14. Look what the Bible says. And they were preaching the gospel there. Well, how did they get there? How did they get to Lister and Derby? Because God said, go there, and they went. How are you going to be able to witness to the person God wants you to witness to? One, because you've got ears to hear. You're sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. There's no unconfessed sin in your heart. Because book of Psalms, verse 66, verse 18 says, if you regard iniquity in your heart, God won't hear you, and you can't hear Him. Isaiah 59, 2, your sin will separate you from God. But when you're in right relationship with God, surrendered to His Lordship, you're looking into His face, you're seeking His direction, He'll guide you, He'll lead you to the people you need to speak with, the people you need to be silent and just listen to, the people He's calling you to be a blessing to. Rely on God for the direction of your life. Paul did, and so must we. Number three, you must remain surrendered to Christ's lordship. Remain surrendered to Christ's lordship. Paul was an example to follow because he did that. Well, we're going to look and see in just a minute what happened, but a lot of trouble followed Paul, literally. Look at verse number 19. The Bible says, The Jews from Antioch. Now remember, this is Antioch, Pisidia. This is where they were in chapter 13. The Jews from Antioch that said, Get out of here. Well, he left, but that wasn't enough. Now they wanted to kill him. Well, they went and recruited... It's always amazing to me, you know, groups that don't get along, you know, don't like each other, how they'll become united in one thing, and that's against the church. And so the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. So trouble followed him, literally. 
The people that had expelled him in chapter 13, verse 50, now they've followed him. And they've, they've recruited those that were in Iconium. And so he's dead. They stoned him, dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. And now the Bible says that, however, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. And look at the Bible says in verse number 21. Just a day after he'd had his brains bashed in by rocks for preaching the gospel, he's covered in bruises, contusions, don't know how many bones he's got broken. I mean, he is sore as he can possibly be. The Bible says he walks in and preaches the gospel to that city. How could he do that? How could, he, how could he continue to move forward? Look what the Bible says in verse number, continue on in verse number 20. Not only he preached the gospel, but the Bible says he made many disciples and just continued to, to move. Then they, then they went back to the cities that hated him. He went to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. He went to those places and said, if you're, if you're Paul, don't enter in here. He just walked right into the midst of them. He was going back to those churches where those people had been saved. Verse number 22 says, Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them that they should continue in the faith. Paul said, Hey, look at me. You need to, you need to live on mission. Paul, how'd you get those? I was, I was sharing Jesus with a bunch of people, and they all threw rocks at me. I died. Who wants to come and go with me? And so he was preaching the gospel. People were getting saved. He was building disciples, and he was exhorting and encouraging people. Well, what does that sound like he was doing? He was reaching, he was teaching, and he was, he was living on mission. How could Paul continue to live on mission, to be faithful to what God called him to do, and not be filled with bitterness and church hurt, and quit serving God? How could he do that? Because he was filled with the Spirit. He was surrendered to Christ's Lordship. It didn't matter what happened. He just kept moving forward. Because listen, Jesus Christ had changed his life. The stones didn't hurt worse than the emptiness he felt before Acts chapter 9, before Christ came to live within his heart. He didn't ever want to go back to being that person again. And the reason that he could continue to move forward in the calling of God on his life and be faithful to what God had called him to do was because he was surrendered to Christ's lordship. How, how did he do that? It was a daily process. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul wrote to the Christians in Romans, said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that daily, literally daily, you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, what, would be, what would be the direction the world would influence Paul to do? Well, don't do that anymore. Doing, preaching the gospel is what, what brought this pain on your life. Paul says, I don't care. Jesus suffered then I'm willing to suffer. He said, he died on the cross, then I'm going to get on my cross. I'm going to be a living sacrifice. I'm going to do it every day. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18. Be not drunk with wine or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The reason that Paul could continue to move forward in faithfulness 
is because he was surrendered. He remained surrendered to Christ's lordship. In these days, listen to me, when there are so many voices and so many forces trying to pull you out of full surrendered commitment. And friend, even this, the devil, the devil really, he doesn't want you to get all out from serving God, all out. He just wants you to be a Laodicean, ride the fence, whatever Christian. Just be lukewarm. And in that, you'll be self-deluded to think that you're okay. I was sharing with our deacon body an article, and I shared with the Bible study class this morning. I read the article last week. There had been some research done in 2019. They'd asked a group of people, these, these Bible researchers, they first spoke to some people and said, you know, they were kind of setting them up, or do you attend church regularly? If the person said, yes, yes, I attend church regularly, okay, then they said, well, what is your definition of regular? In 2019, on average, it was going to church two Sundays a month. They, continued, they considered that to be a regular attending. You may some of you here this morning maybe going, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But post-COVID, just in March of this last year, they did some research, and this is what they did. And they said, it's only anecdotal right now. But they continue to research. Do you know what regular is now to those same people? One Sunday a month. That's all in to them. That's all in. And so in these days, if you're going to stand against all those voices and not be conformed to the world and the world's definition of commitment, that's what we see in the last letter to the last church. And they all see it. Think, well, really, I stand in need of nothing. You've got to be filled with the Spirit. And the way you do that, friend, is to stay in the Word, to pray, spend time, stay at the feet of Jesus through prayer, and to be faithful, be a doer of His Word. And keep your life surrendered to Christ's Lordship. Fourth, if you would follow Christ's example, if you would follow Paul's example, who was following Christ's example, you must respond to success with humility and praise. You must, you must respond to success with humility and praise. Well, look back in verse number 8. They move on to Lystra and to Derby. They continue to preach. And the Bible says that in Lystra, a certain man crippled without strength in his feet was sitting. He was crippled. For, he'd been that way since birth from his mother's womb. He had never walked. This... Man, Paul, heard Paul speaking, verse 9 says, and Paul observing him intently. He was always looking for somebody to witness to. God, who do you want me to share with next? And seeing that he had faith to be healed, he said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And the man leaped and walked. I mean, that's an amazing feat. I've never seen anything like that. I've certainly not ever been the one that God worked through to see something like that happen. That happened to Paul. Everybody that was watching, they were just all amazed, verse 11 says. And they began to raise their voices in the Lyconian language, saying, the gods have come down in the likeness of men. And so they started trying to have sacrifice to Barnabas and to Paul, calling Barnabas, that, that's Zeus, and that's, that's, that's Hermes, that's Mercury right there. And so Paul could have established him a, a real racket. He said, you know... It is me that did this. This is our, you know, I really am the greatest Christian that's ever lived. You know, I am the man. And Paul could have built a little mafia, a little following. And it happens in churches all the time. A ministry will begin to gain a little success. 
be it a music ministry, a children's ministry, a youth ministry, some kind of ministry, and everybody will be like, oh, you know, Brother John Doe or Sister Jane Doe, we just we couldn't make it without you. You're just the greatest at this that there has ever been. And you are such a blessing in my life. You, you've changed my life. And I'll, I'll do ministry with you always. If that person doesn't quickly say, hold your horses. It's not me, it's Jesus that person will begin to really think, you know, I really am that good. And they start taking all the praise that ought to go to the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And Paul remembered that. He knew that he was just an outlet for Christ to work through. He knew that. In the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, he would, even, he would write such that the life he lived, the life he experienced, it was because his life was surrendered to Christ and Christ worked through him. He gave God all the glory for that. And I want to remind you, just write these down. We're not, we don't have time to look at them this morning, but I encourage you to write them down. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Luke 10, 18, and Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, they all describe what Satan did and what God did in response that brought him to where he is today. Satan wasn't always where he was, is right now. He once had a much different job, but I want to tell you what took him out of the position that he is and brought him to where he is today, and it's pride. It's pride. We're all the focus on, and the Bible says in Proverbs 6, 16 through 17, there's some things that God hates. And oh, by the way, the one that's an abomination is to be a, a fire starter in the life of the church, a little spiritual terrorist. But one of the six things that God hates is pride. He hates it. And what the devil wanted was Paul to get filled with pride and say, that's right, bring the sacrifices, bring, the, bring it to us. But the reason Paul's an example to follow, friend, is that he always quickly, he returned and he responded to success with humility and with praise. He says, it's not me, it's Jesus. He's the source. He continued to give God all of the glory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and in verse number 10, Paul says this, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul says, I didn't pull myself up by my bootstraps. He said, I didn't have a boot or a strap. I was dead in trespasses and sin. But it was by God's grace that I am what I am. And he never got over it. And every chance Paul had, he pointed people to Jesus Christ. We need to remember that in our lives. If you've accomplished things in your life, man, that's great. I don't mean people work hard and more, some people are lazy Sadly, and some people really, they endeavor to work hard with the opportunities they have. And I'm, I'm proud of you for that. But don't forget, friend, you couldn't draw your next breath unless God allowed it. He's given you every opportunity, every chance, and we need to always remember that at Greenwood. Everything we have and everything that we are, it's by God's grace, and we should give Him the full glory for it. And verse number five, I mean, and number five, and I close. 
you're going to have that kind of life that Paul had and follow that example. Number five, refit and refresh with fellow workers. Refit and refresh with fellow workers. Now, I, I really enjoy this point, but also this, this passage of Scripture. Verse number 26, after coming off a, a painful ministry, I mean, just some hardships and some challenges. Verse 26 of Acts chapter 14 says, they came full circle. Now they've gone back to Antioch. Now this is Antioch uh, chapter 11, where they were first called Christians. I don't want to say this was the good Antioch, and that was the bad Antioch, but I mean, what kind it was. This was the good Antioch to be. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God and the work which they had completed. And when the church had come together, they were gathered together, the church came together, they reported all that God had done. Paul didn't say this is what we did. He said this is what all God did with them. And they opened the doors of, how God had opened the doors of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. First off, I want you to notice that the church came together. So as a body of believers came together to encourage, not only to study God's Word and sing praises, but also to encourage one another. Here they are, bearing witness of what God had done through their lives. And friend, listen, I'm encouraged when I hear someone talk about God's faithfulness and God's work in their life. I don't think they're bragging. They're giving all the glory to God. I don't think they're trying, hey, you know, can you put the spotlight right? No, a little more to the left, a little more to the left. Right there. Can everybody see me? This is what happened. No, that's not what they did. They said, and li listen to what God did here. But friend, listen, they couldn't hear that if they didn't come together. And, you know, I don't want to get off topic because we need to go to invitation. But sadly, it's something to watch. We're living in a day. Now we're video and phones and computer. A lot of people are replacing in-person gathering. And listen, if, if, if you're sick, if you've got a health concern, that's what you need to do. But a lot of able-bodied people... They're, you know, they're just doing whatever they want to do on Sunday, and then I'll watch the service later. And friend, that's not coming together with God's people on God's day. And so I'm just telling you, I love living for the Lord on mission all week, but I am so excited when I get together with, now listen to these words, these two words, like-minded. When I get together with like-minded, minded brothers and sisters in Christ. Non-like-minded will drive you nuts. Can I get a witness? Because they don't see lordship the way you see it. They don't see the word of God the way you see it. If you're an all-in, surrendered to Christ's lordship Christian, there is nothing like spending time with another all-in, surrendered to Christ's lordship Christian. It's just, it is refreshing. In this world that will just suck the life out of you, there's nothing like this. Get along, the lone number that sees the world the way you do. And it's not from your viewpoint, it's through the lens of Scripture. Just to get along, just spend some time. How you doing? Hanging in there. How you doing? Hang it like a hair on a biscuit, man. Hanging in there. Hanging in there by God's grace. People have lost their mind. They've lost their mind. He's coming back. He's coming back. Hang in, hang in there. It's just so encouraging. And so Paul and Barnabas were able to go back and to refit 
and refreshed. So the Bible says in verse number 20, they stayed there a long time with the disciples. What a gift from God. That's one of the benefits. I appreciate you taking notes, but I want you to look up here at me. Take a break, just a second. That's one of the benefits of being in a connection class or a Sunday school class on Sunday morning. If you're not in one, you're missing out. That's one of the benefits of being in a small group Bible study. You're able to spend time with other like-minded believers, not only study God's Word, but encourage one another. That's one of the benefits of being a member of a local church, a part of a family. And to, and to make it stick, so I'm, no, I'm moving my membership. I'm not just, you know, Melissa just doesn't live with me and the kids. We're married. We've got a family. There's a lot of people, they just live with the church family. No, you're not a member of Greenwood and God's League. You need to join Greenwood. You need to be a part, a tangible member of this church family. It makes it stick. There's encouragement in that. There is Refreshment. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 12, 27 and verse 17 says this. Proverbs 27, 17. It's iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I'm so thankful for other like-minded brothers and sisters in Christ that God has used to help sharpen me when I become dull through use. We've got a, a paring knife. You, and I, I love this company. It's Rada, R-A-D-A. Any of you got any of those is old school country knives, rather. And you have to get them out, and there's a little, we use them all the time, but sometimes they get dull. When they get dull, guess what we do? We don't throw it away. We just pull it through the two little washers, turn it around, get the other side of the blade equal, and whew, off it'll go to slicing again. I'm so thankful. After a long week of use in this world, I get to come be with my church family on Sunday morning. I get to spend time with two people during the week that see the Word of God the way I do here at the church office and just get sharpened. You need, you need to have those kinds of groups, those, those, those black-minded believers who are helped sharpen you as you're refreshed and you're refitted. The question is, we go to invitation this morning. Says, look at me. Don't let the devil lead you off. You're going to get to lunch. Look at me. All the invitation comes to this for the church. That was Paul's example that we can follow. And we'll not go wrong if we do. But here's the question to ask this morning. Are you listening? Are you listening? If someone follows me right now, if someone imitates me right now, what manner of life will they have? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. You can't begin to serve God until you know Him. Your sin separates you from Him. If you've never been saved, won't you turn today and trust Jesus to be Lord of your life? He loves you. He died on the cross in your place. He rose from the grave. He's in heaven and desires to save you now. Whosoever calls upon Him, the Bible says, His Lordship will be saved. Would you not choose Him right now? Just tell him so in the simple prayer of faith where you sit if you've never been saved. Pray just like this, but mean it from your heart. God, forgive me a sinner. I turn from my sin to you. I believe you died. I believe you rose again. Jesus, come live in my heart and be Lord of me.
Take my life. Make me into the person you want me to be. That's my prayer.